0: Welcome. Bonjour. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les
1: ondes de No More Radio. You're listening to the Dirty Feet podcast on the No More Radio Network.
0: Nous sommes vos animateurs
1: et animatrices. We are your hosts, Allison Burns,
0: J.D. Papillon et Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Listen in. Écoutez. We're going to move you.
1: This is a special fringe edition of the podcast
0: one of several episodes recorded while touring the circuit of the canadian association of fringe festivals during the summer of 2015 fringe festivals showcase non-curated
1: theater dance and other forms of art
0: you can learn more at fringefestivals.com
1: This episode of Dirty Feet is brought to you from Toronto, Ontario, where we're going to be speaking with uh, Alias Dance, three members of the company uh, who are presenting a site-specific work uh, this week in Toronto. We're going to start with Lauren Cook, who is one of the founding members of Alias Dance. It's been around for about 10 years now. Hi, Lauren. Hey. Welcome. Thank you. I would like to know what was the impetus for founding Alias Dance?
2: Uh, In 2007, is it? well, let's say 2005 is when we started our investigation. It was, um, there was two contemporary dancers. We were both graduates of Ryerson, and we were working with a street dancer named Megan Kafferke. And we were just interested in finding a common language and finding ways to work together. Um, So we would just start playing in the studio with our different movement styles, finding uh, ways that we were similar, ways that we were different, and then just that's basically how it started. We just wanted to try to find like a fusion. I hate that word now, but at that time that was the word language, um, of like contemporary hip hop, even though I know that doesn't exist, but (laughs) back in the day, that's, those were all the words we would use. Um, so that's why it started. And then we, as soon as we started, we were like, this is so fun. We want to show everybody. This is really cool. We thought we were really innovative. So we, (laughs) we, uh, started to work on a show, um, We actually did the Montreal Fringe in 2007. That was our first show. And um, the response to what we were doing was really, really uh, strong. People had uh, great reactions. They encouraged us to keep going. And then from there on, it just kept to grow and grow and grow and change and evolve and became more about collaboration and uh, finding different languages of movement, not necessarily street dance and contemporary dance, Uh, integrating like parkour dance and martial arts and like sport specific training, extreme physicality and just basically an openness to anything and everything.
1: So it's not just the language that has changed now, but actually the, the content of your work as well. Yes. And then uh, you have two collaborators here with you today. We have Francesca and Amanda also joining us, uh, who are newer members of the company. And thank you for being here, Francesca.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for having us. Can you each uh, let me know uh, how you got on board with the project, maybe starting with uh, Amanda?
4: Um, I first met Lauren, I think, in 2010, when um, Alias was doing the domino effect in the French Festival um so yeah I've known Lauren for a while and um I started working with Alias in November 2014 um and and then
1: what's your background what do you bring to the to the collaboration in terms of style
4: um um I was really classically trained, um, and when I went to I went to Ryerson, uh, and I graduated in 2010. Um, and so from there, I've been just experimenting, being really open to being influenced by different styles, um, and sort of developing my own. From there, taking little bits and pieces from um, every experience I have, and as well as uh, things I'm inspired by by the other dancers in the company. Excellent. And how about yourself, Francesca?
3: Well, I'm also a Ryerson graduate. But before that, I had a strong Limon-based background, actually. So I was really, like, contemporary dance baby for a while. But then also, at the same time, funny enough, I was taking hip-hop classes from Megan. So, like, six years ago. the, the Yeah, Megan, one of the founders of Alias. But little did I know that our paths would end up crossing much later in my training. So I met Lauren and a couple of the other girls from Alias. Um, When I was entering my third year at Ryerson, they had come to uh, a summer intensive to come see me dance. They were looking for some fresh faces, I think, at the time. Um, And yeah, they were interested in training. Um, with me or inviting me to come train with them and I was definitely interested in what they were exploring um, in the studio. Then that following summer I worked with them on a project and now it's been three years I've been with the company. It's been awesome.
1: (laughs) So in the 10 years of the company other than um, a few fringe festivals here and there where else do you present work? We generally self-produce and a
2: lot of our work Is presented in within Toronto um we were working in two-year kind of like spans working on a production a lot of our our first big production I guess you could say was called how to make a mixed no it wasn't it was called the first LP (laughs) and it was presented at the Lower Ossington Theatre and it was a mixed program um with a collaboration between Heidi Strauss and Apollonia Velasquez, and then Solid State Breakdance for Montreal created a work on us. Valerie Callum created a solo, and then there was some original Alias works as well. And because all of our shows were uh, are collaborative, uh, commissions mostly, it takes a really long time to secure the funding and to develop the work. So we were working in two-year kind of time spans to develop the shows. After that, then we did a show called Shifting Edges, another big program of mixed works with great artists and um that was in 2013 this is the first year actually where we've been able to produce multiple shows in the same year um after our show shifting edges we kind of decided that in order to continue and to grow and to get uh to develop way faster at a faster rate we needed to secure our own studio space so that's what we kind of worked on in between uh 2013 and now And so we have our own home and that's kind of like enabling us to create more work and to be working more. So right now we feel like this is, even though this company is considered, I guess, to be kind of old, (laughs) 10 years is pretty old or like middle-aged. I feel like we're, I feel like we're just at our takeoff point now. So like this summer is very, very busy for us and we're, you know, people are interested in commissioning us or in, uh, presenting us. And, um, like right now we're doing three shows at the same time and it's just like a dream.
1: And so you've got your space together now or you? We still- do. Yeah. It okay. Yeah.
2: It's a, it's a, I don't know, a multifunctional space. So we have, adult fitness programming and dance classes for drop-in classes for adults and then we also have children's programming we have uh this one studio can transform into a 50-seat studio theater Um, and we also do people rent it during the day it's like really just an it it we approached it in the same way that we approach our work with openness and just kind of going with the flow and adapting to the community and to what the people need Excellent.
1: That's the dream. You mentioned Solid State. I'm wondering for our Montreal listeners if it might be uh, interesting to, to compare your company to Solid State and kind of compare and contrast. Sure. I would say, well, definitely Solid
2: State was... is breakdance <laughs> obviously so I'll say breakdance so in that um we're very different because we don't focus on one uh, street dance style we kind of dabble we're interested in all um, I wouldn't say that we're experts in any but that we're informed by all um, the process is very similar like when we were working in creation with them the creative process in the way that we're working is through like a contemporary way of uh, building c- a work um so in that way we're similar but that outcome is very different and you know it was it, they were very influential in uh the way that we train i would say like before we worked with them they came and worked with us for i guess it was like three hours before every rehearsal they would train and condition us and that really opened our eyes because that was our first or our second commission i guess to the possibility of like in In my opinion, advancing the physicality that we we could achieve, but also the physicality of the dance community in Toronto, because at that time, I feel like that kind of way of working wasn 't really here <laughs> like there was more like a classical techniques and classical w- approaches to um, movement, and th- this was like really animalistic, we were like running on our hands and yeah. Females, yeah, doing push-ups and throwing each other around And, um, yeah, so in that, it was, like, really, really inspiring and awesome
1: So, Francesca, when you mentioned, you know, starting to train with um, Alias Dance You have your own method now for for training your company, or?
2: It's a, it's, well, yeah, we're starting to develop our own kind of language in how we train But it's really, it's a combination of different things So some days we will box some days we'll do conditioning uh, like weight lifting and um, arm balancing and stuff like that some days we'll do just contemporary floor technique some days we'll go on a parkour run some days we'll uh do hip-hop freestyle we'll just freestyle for like three hours so it's it's not necessarily like you come to class and you're taking the alias technique it's you're taking the alias alias experience
4: i think just in the way that um, Alias creates and the type of work that we're doing and the type of work that we're performing, it's important to train in this way because the work is so physical and not having that type of training to support the work would be a very, very different outcome. So I think that it really supports the work that we're creating and gravitating towards as well. I think to
3: add to that, it also depends on who's in the room. Uh, because if we have someone like Troy Feldman, who's a part of Alias, in the room, he's like a breakdance parkour art- artist. He's gonna wanna focus on certain things, so we're gonna train that like that way that day. Um, and then bringing someone in the studio, like Nigel Edwards, who is can't really put him in any sort of genre or box. He's just a freestyler. He. I don't know. He's encouraged us to explore our own individual impulse, so that's become like a huge part of our training. Our training is in being individuals, I think at the first and foremost. Um and then the physicality is added on top of that. Because sometimes I know in process we can freestyle for a really long really long time and we're like, "Wow, this is amazing, but how do we put this in the context of like a super physical story, an actual piece, you know? So that's kind of been the challenge of balancing training and building and creating and investigating. Speaking of creation,
1: how does that come about? Are there certain choreographers that are company members that that work with the creation? Is it a collaborative process? Is it mostly outside choreographers that work with the dancers?
3: Um, Well, Lauren uh, mentioned before that in the first couple of years of Alias, um, it was a lot of uh, collaborative commissions for our shows. Um, But now within the past uh, two years and year, we're focusing on creating our own work and building our own aesthetic um, and process. Mm -hmm and with the show that we're doing right now um there is a quartet that is actually a collaboration between four of the alias members uh myself Lauren Nigel and Amanda um and that's been that's been that's been fun because it's also site specific so we were in the studio our own studio our home the cornerstone creating and then we had to then transpose everything into the actual schoolhouse space where we're going to be doing the show. Um, And I've also done a video installation (laughs) for the space. And then Nigel has done the sound design. So everybody's wearing a lot of hats. So it's um, choreographer, dancer, interpreter, sound design, video design, rehearsal director. Atmosphere design Like there's a lot of um, Different roles that you kind of have to take on And I think that is also another thing That's particular to Alias If you're going to If you're going to roll with us You're not just going to show up to class or rehearsal (laughs) (laughs)
1: So, yeah, let's get talking about this, this project called Animating Historic Spaces. Uh, and it's at the Historic Zion Schoolhouse here in Toronto. And uh, as you mentioned, it is site-specific. Um, so where do you start working on something site-specific if, you're, if you start in the studio? For this project, I guess we,
2: we went to the site site three or four
1: times before we
2: actually started. So we had a really strong sense of what we were going to do. We used the studio time. It was really minimal studio time. It was basically a residency that we did in the schoolhouse. So we were only in the studio for, I think for our piece, maybe one week. And it was just uh, building movement that we knew it wasn't building choreography. It was just building phrase work that we could pull from and then adapt in the space. The, hannah keel's piece she built a lot of material in the studio and then when she arrived at the space she was in the grass and going through this kind of treed area so she also had to just adapt but to be honest with that piece they've really kept the choreography pretty much the same as in the studio um what makes makes it site specific is that they've just transposed it onto this beautiful landscape um the trio that we've commissioned between um frost nick robinson and montreal dancer victoria mckenzie is uh <laughs> it was mostly created again they they did some kind of like uh, initial research in the studio just figuring out how they were going to work together figuring out what kind of concepts and themes that they wanted to work with um but then as soon as they got to the schoolhouse again it changed because they're dancing on a with a the backdrop of the side of the schoolhouse. that has three beautiful windows, and they're up in the windows and around the railings and running around the building. So, really, it was just again. I use the word openness over and over and over again, but just not holding on to anything that um, maybe you fell in love with in the studio. And as soon as you get there, just being like, scratch that, scratch that. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's use these goggles. Let's throw ourselves into the grass over here. Let's throw these pine needles and. Audience spaces, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and everyone who's working with us is also approaching the work in that way. The residency for us though was super important. I say it's a residency, but really it was just working with an amazing team at the Zion School who who provided us with the space. Um, they let us move the desks and uh play with the <laughs> artifacts and then when they realized we shouldn't be using the artifacts would replace them with like, you know, ones that we could use. So um yeah, that's how the
4: work was created. Yeah, I think it was just really important, like Lauren was saying, to be open to letting the space influence our creative process. So coming into the schoolhouse with phrase work and movement ideas or concepts that we wanted to develop. And then having the space around us let us or allow us to change that and adapt it
3: I think the other thing too about this work That we've been creating for this show like each piece And the thing about site-specific is that your audience's viewpoint can be from wherever So you have to take that in mind. It's not being viewed from like a proscenium kind of situation Um, For all of for all of the pieces, so That's something to consider for each um, creator for the show. And then this
1: material that you're taking into the space, is that something that's been inspired by the history of the space as well? Um, The schoolhouse... um,
2: Well, the things that we held on to, because I I can't actually tell you the history of the schoolhouse, but what I can tell you is that um, it was a space that was, again, um, an open space that welcomed farmers and people from around the community to come. And um, it became a community space as well as a place of education where you could learn about new technologies and advancements in farming and um, just things like that. It was a place where people could gather and share information and learn from each other. Uh, The schoolhouse invites school groups from around the city to come for field trips there and they take on a day of school in the year of 1910 where each student uh, wears the name tag of one of the students that attended that day of school in 1910 and they act out a day of school um, with uh, one of the museum curators acting as the teacher and they... They play with, um, the chalkboards, or sorry, the slates, and they write with their lead pencils and, um, yeah, so just using all of that information. We also got all of the archival photographs from the museum. They digitized them for us. So we were really inspired by seeing all of those images. They had images of the uh, first construction of the schoolhouse. Um, they had images of all of these different classes of people. They were really ghostly, so that inspired us inside the schoolhouse. There was images of them uh participating in gym class which was like people going up into handstands and jumping over sticks and like yeah yeah and we're like perfect that's it's so like those are the things that inspired us the the visual stimulation of like being in the room with the artifacts and kind of being like what's this uh, what is this? What do you use this for? We would ask the curators and they would go into a little bit of history of those things. We have these this beautiful viewfinder that we found. We had no idea what it was. We're like, what's this? this feels like drunk goggles. And they're like <laughs> they're like, oh no, it's it's to look at photographs. So then we we used that in the space and it inspired the work. So these are the kind of things that we adapted when we got there.
3: Well I'd say the one well one of the big challenges for the space was the desk situation, um, and how we were going to get people to be seated in the space and how they're going to view it. So, um, inside of the schoolhouse, um, the audience can see the work from multiple sides, but then also at the back of the space, Lauren and I actually do a duet on top of these original like antique desks that kind of opens, opens the work. Um, and it's been, (laughs) It's been really interesting to work with the actual physical pieces, original pieces, because you feel like as you touch them and, and as you put your weight onto them, you, you there's like a physical memory there. And then once we have the lighting going and the music and and the projection, it's really ghostly. I mean, I think each piece has its, its own atmosphere and feel. Um, the first one, the first piece by Hannah Kiel, the duet... Travels quite a bit Um, so it actually physically pulls the audience closer and closer towards the schoolhouse and then the second work um, which is up against the wall the trio is a very light and fun fun work Um, super physical and again introduces the actual physical schoolhouse and maybe a more childlike energy and then once we go inside it's kind of, it's a little bit I don't want to say it's like morbid or, or dark or anything like that but it's um, the space is really transformed into it's very ghostly it's very ghostly and you get um, a darker atmosphere of the spirits of the people that have been in that in that schoolhouse for like hundreds of years yeah is the intention
1: of the work a, a tribute to history? Is it about just animating a space that's been empty? I would say, yeah, it's definitely
2: been a goal for us to like find. W- we didn't want to just go into the space and make a dance. Um, we definitely wanted for for us like artistically. I am really interested in like the memory of of space and the memory of time and uh, the f- the. F- thinking about the number of hands that have touched this desk or been against this wall and um, um, embodying those kind of senses, I guess. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So we just riffed off of that. And, like, the fact that they actually have the kids come to the schoolhouse and take on the identity of one of these children from 1910 was really inspiring to us. Um, As much as possible, we wanted to exactly, like, pay tribute to this schoolhouse and to the people who keep it running and that are working hard every day to like maintain it and make it available to the general public and keeping its history alive. Um, It's important to us that like as art makers, that these, these places stay alive because they're so inspiring artistically. Um, It's, it's, I feel like it's really pushed our work. I'm really proud of the pieces that we've made here and I, I don't think they would have been able to be, what they are without this space Mm -hmm. um it's really like i i can't even explain it as soon as we got there ideas were like flooding and it was more about editing than about coming up with ideas and we don't have that same experience in a theater or in a studio so from this i would say that mm, if I would say that I would love to work in spaces like this more often. I think that our work would be more diverse, and I think that the work of, of our city would be more diverse, and there'd be everyone would find a way to have their own identity. Um, if we could do this every every year, then <laughs> I'd be down. like we talk about it all the time. It's really a dream come true. Like we've always been like, I wish we could do this show. We're always building atmospheric. Environments, anyway, in our shows. We are not into like the proscenium theater. We always try to build, like, uh, we hire atmosphere designers for Shifting Edges. So it's just nice to not have to do that because we're actually in an atmosphere (laughs) that's already there and exists. So I would just say that we're like very thankful for the opportunity and. Um, we hope that this inspires people to go and check these spaces out, not even if they 're going to like perform in them, but just take it in and you know learn about it or visit it or share it or whatever that 's I think the whole point of these of this project and this initiative is to get people to these spaces so that they can continue
1: These ideas that were flooding when you when you first uh, encountered the space um, Can you describe? Like, physically, what was different about what was, what was inspired by the space and what would come out of a, a different creative process for a different project?
3: Well, I think the most obvious one is the schoolhouse is filled with objects and things to, like, actually play with. <laughs> so one thing that we did find were these two metal hoops in the space and we were like what are what are these things and then Amanda picks one of them up and she starts you know playing with it twirling it in her hand and I'm like interesting turns out she did rhythmic gymnastics
4: <laughs> and then I'll let her finish that story yeah i i did rhythmic gymnastics for only a couple years when i was younger but it was just amazing to be in the schoolhouse and find those hoops so unexpectedly Um, And what came back for me out of that. And I feel like there's definitely um, just an interesting, really inspiring energy about the schoolhouse. Because even Nigel, um, he plays the piano live at the beginning of the show. And um, that was something that was also very unexpected for us. So I don't think that those um, elements would have been prominent um, in any other Creative process.
3: Yeah, I just want to say that Amanda does an amazing solo with the hoops. That's what I wanted her to say She's not in a unitard, but it's awesome You should come see it and also
2: like that those hoops like we learned that they're a part of gym class and it was actually this game that they used to play where they would have a stick and they would um, Roll the hoop around on the grass and it was a competition for who could keep the hoop rolling for so long um, but the hoops really became like they're they're another Part of the piece that they're like they're another dancer Or character in the piece they come back And um, they're used To like it's almost like they're Revealing something to the audience like a Looking pool or something like this Um, And again like Nigel playing the Piano we didn't even know he played The piano he's a he's a DJ And he mixes sounds For us and for other people all, all The time but he's like yeah I play the piano but He's he's never taken any lessons he's Just a freestyle piano player which we didn't know, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he like has—it's the cutest thing. Actually, he has to put stickers on the keys so he knows which one's which. But you would never know when you hear him play. <laughs> I'm not joking; it's so beautiful. So, like these things would never have happened. And Franny, the fact that she was just like, she, in two days, she made this incredible um, film, uh, like a compilation of images that she found and edited together change the work so much and even our lighting designer designer and uh, technical director adrian juan he's trying to keep the room really golden so it feels antique and yellow and he's playing with the lights and freestyling the lights while we're dancing um everybody just came together and like he said he's like i don't want to change the lighting because he's like is the lighting bugging you i don't want to change it i really want to keep it in this feel this uh antique feel so like i guess all those things wouldn't have come to life if we were in our white room because our studio is fully, it's all white. Um, or even if we were in any other studio because in, in, ev- in every other space I believe that like everything that you've seen there and everything that you've done there is attached to you and is a part of your memory. So it's hard to be like shed all of that information and try to find new inspiration. I think that you really have to search for new inspiration and that when you find it that you don't have to uh, fight to find ideas. They'll, they should just visit you.
1: So the historic Zion Schoolhouse is located at 1091 Finch Avenue East, and uh, you're performing July 10th to the 12th at 7.30. Um, Are tickets available at the door? How do we go about getting involved? So the amazing thing about this show is that it's
2: free. So it's... um, The only unfortunate thing, I guess, is that there's a seating capacity of 40 people inside the schoolhouse, but for the first two pieces, it's fully unlimited so it's just based on a first-come 1st serve basis the first 40 people that arrive will just get a stamp and that'll let them into the schoolhouse but hundreds of people could watch the first two pieces because it's outside and it's really spacious there's no seating capacity at all but um, thankfully because of the support of the Toronto Arts Council and Museums Toronto uh, we're able to offer this program at no charge again to just encourage people to the site
3: do you want to let us know uh, who else is involved in the uh, in the work so for Hannah Keel's uh duet, New Creation, we have Katherine Turcott, or Catalyst from Montreal. She's a hip amazing hip hop dancer. Um, but she's really been thrown into this contemporary, <laughs> really intense contemporary dance duet and doing amazingly well. And then we have Caitlin, who's actually one of our older members of Alias holding it down with her. So it's a really interesting collaboration between uh Montreal based hip-hop dancer, and then um, a Ryerson graduate who's a contemporary-based dancer.
1: So after animating historic spaces, uh, what comes next for Alias Dance? Um, Well,
2: (laughs) on Tuesday, (laughs) Troy and I actually are flying to the Yukon to present a duet that we created a couple years ago called Euphotic Depth. And we'll be performing that at this place called Cypherfest in the White Horse Yukon. We also have a contract for the Pan Am Games where we've been asked to um, program a one-hour long show that will take place at the Harborfront Center Theater been changed so many <laughs> times the name of that theater so I'm pretty sure it's the old On Wave slash the old Demore slash the old Icebox so yeah, <laughs> who sponsors it um, so that's exciting for that show we're going to be presenting this collaborative piece called Pipe which was created by Alan Casia and Troy Feldman um, also my duet with Troy will be in that show and Jasmine Fife will be doing an Afro-Caribbean piece and also this trio between Frost, Victoria and Nick Robinson, GWS crew from the Yukon will also be, um, in this show. So it'll be again, a really physical show, a more spectacular show. We're trying to make it a bit flashy and make sure that everybody can, you know, in the spirit of the sport of the Pan Am games, um, really exciting and physical. After that, Maybe we'll take a break and then (laughs) we'll get back right into creation. Like as soon as we find the next, I mean, we've talked about several ideas. I don't want to say what they are yet because they're not confirmed, but there's lots of stuff in the works always.
1: Excellent. Well, Lauren, Amanda, and Francesca, thank you so much for uh, being on Dirty Feet today and best of luck with the, with the show. And I look forward to hearing about the future of Alias dance. Thanks for having us. The Dirty Feet podcast is produced and hosted by,
0: Produit et animated by, Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon, and Stéphanie Morin-Robert. We have Mainline Theatre, Montreal Improv Theatre, and Paula Flalo to thank. Merci pour le soutien. Vous pouvez visiter notre site web, écouter les derniers épisodes, lire notre blog, nous aimer sur Facebook, et nous suivre sur Twitter. You can visit our website, listen to past episodes, read our blog, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter.
1: Show us some love and help us spread the word.
0: Montrez-nous un peu d'amour et aidez-nous à passer le monde.